Welcome to Loop Me In, the podcast community for parents and carers on raising children with disabilities. Join presenters Dr. Lisa Interlegi and Christine Christopoulos and their guests in sharing experiences, information and support ideas to help children with disabilities flourish. Loop Me In is brought to you weekly on platforms like Apple Podcasts, Spotify and Stitcher to name a few. You can learn more, connect to the Loop Me In community and listen to more episodes on our website, loop-me-in.com.au. We welcome today Daryl and Michelle. Hi, guys. Hi. How are you doing? My background's in nursing, surgical, and a whole range of medical areas, I suppose. The last position I held was managing the acquired brain injury unit here on the Sunshine Coast. But that was in my sort of like leave between graduating as a PGA professional and running a business in Koran in the hinterland here. You're yeah, we're going to get on to that PGA professional. So it kind of links you into what we're going to be talking about today, doesn't it? Mm, yes, it does. Yeah. So tell us a bit about your background then, Daryl. Okay, well, we'll concentrate on, on the PGA background. I guess in 1979, I come from Darwin. So I travelled to from Darwin to Sydney to begin a PGA apprenticeship at that time. It was four years. So I took a position up at Lane Cove Country Club in Sydney and 18 months into my apprenticeship, my mum had a stroke. So I had to give up my apprenticeship because the PGA pro I was working under, he just couldn't afford to have me missing for, I guess, a month. So I said, look, I ended up hitching back to Darwin and nursing mum. And I guess that was a segue into my working in the hospital area in nursing. So from there, I gave up golf for many years, but used to play the occasional game when I was doing my nursing training and kind of gave up my career aspirations in golf until I retired from nursing and medical in 96, essentially, and came to the Sunshine Coast, signed up for a degree in political science and journalism. When I was at university, I joined the Nambour Golf Club, which had a cheap membership for university students. (laughs) So joined up, ended up winning a whole range of events, club champs and all that sort of stuff, and I was you know, well into my late 30s at this stage. Anyway, the PGA trainee at the time was graduating and the pro approached me and said, would you like to take up his position when he graduates? I said, well, no, I'm too old for a start. Mm-hmm. And he said, no, no, you've still got game and you're here most of the time anyway playing golf. So <laughs> have a think about it. Come back to me in a week. So, look, I did consider it and went through the whole avenue of going down that path which is quite complicated so there's a whole range of things that you need to do you need to number one have a position which i had number two you have to have a playing average of three or less and then you have to have a playing test and then you have to go before a board of pga members to be accepted so went through all that was accepted and graduated in 2009 as a pga professional what a story Yes. Now there's more to that because we're second marriage. So I met Daryl through a six foot four golfer called Phil Wilton, who was at Nambour Golf Club. And I was in Brisbane with two little boys, a single mum at the time. And I had been on my own seven years, never wanted to marry, never, ever knew anything about golf. And the night that he came back, he borrowed my friend's car to go to the Gold Coast because his probably wouldn't make it. So 
he had hooked us up to actually meet each other. He had been secretly putting us together. Ah. And so I actually was a deputy bailiff for the magistrate's court in Brisbane. I was a person that would issue a warrant, I'd get issued a warrant, I'd arrest you and seize your goods and your chattels. So I was a little bit sort of independent. I met Daryl the night that he came back and he had been accepted as one of the oldest trainee golfers to resurrect his game that he'd lost as a young man. So it was sort of quite serendipitous that we ended up going into a ministry, if you will, to use golf. And, of course, he had to teach me how to hold a club. I'm Greek too, Christine. So my parents said, yes, but what does he do every other day on Sunday? I said, no, he's he's a professional. Professional what? So you understand. Yes, I do. (laughs) But that's what's interesting. When Daryl actually became accepted as this this amazing opportunity had come around twice that's the day that I meet him so it was amazing yeah it was amazing Mm. he would have been in a very good mood I imagine (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah I'll get into how we got into the disability sector and that was I was called back to the Nambour Golf Club where I did my traineeship and I'd been gone a couple of years managed the acquired brain injury unit and I came back to the Sunshine Coast I guess to Nambour and I was asked to run the junior program at Namble Golf Club because when I left after my traineeship, the junior program had fallen away. So I was asked to come back to resurrect the junior program and to give the lessons for the members. So during that time, not long after I returned, I heard there was a call to buy the Special Olympics, and you may know something about that organisation. I heard that they wanted a golf program to begin, but no one was putting their hand up to do it. So after a couple of weeks, I heard the call go out quite often. No one was answering the call. And then I said, well, now it's something I could, I could do. My nursing background and, and the PGA status, I could deliver a program or start a program. So I contacted the sports coordinator on the Sunshine Coast here, Shirley Hastings. We got together and came up with a plan to establish the Sunshine Coast first golf program for the Special Olympics. In uh, this region. On the Sunshine Coast. And I guess that's where, it's all, that's where it all began. And now from that, starting in 2014, we have grown that. We've become our own standalone charity, which is Golf Programs Australia Incorporated. And we run the largest golf program for people with intellectual disabilities in the country. And we are also a Special Olympics affiliate. Which is unusual. Yeah. And how many people are participating? Uh, Look, we have over 40 on our database and on our books, but we on a weekly basis, we get between 18 to 25 to 30 athletes attend on a weekly basis. On top of that, accompanying them would be their support workers, my assistant coaches, volunteers and family members. So we can have up to 70 to 80 people there on a weekly basis. What it's do you lovely think mayhem, organised chaos. Yeah. What do you think they love about it the most, about playing the sport? Uh, How long do we have today, Christine? <laughs> <laughs> this is where the, I guess, the personal testimonies come in, and we yeah. have so many, and what it means for our athletes and their families to plug into our program on a weekly basis. And it's life-changing for many, creating, uh, I say, it's a sense of community, I guess, coming together just with their peers, and there's all le- levels of competency as far as golf ability is concerned. We have people in wheelchairs, people that have acquired brain injury, suffering from uh, stroke and a whole range of other things like, you know, could be Down syndrome, Williams syndrome, autism, whatever it may be. But everyone 
is on a level playing field, the way that we format the weekly program. We have a format called an Ambrose. So the way it rocks is that we have people register at 345 at our private golf course where we lease that on a monthly basis. So they rock up with the support workers, they register. We have a registration table there with a pull-up banner. And Michelle and one of our participants, usually Renee or mm-hmm. Sophie or Caitlin, will, uh, will help registration. Mm-hmm. So they'll welcome all the participants in and mark them off on the sheet. And then once we've all gathered by four, probably five past four, everyone is asked to go out onto the course to begin their warm-up. And then from there, we'll have, once the warm-up's complete, I'll appoint four captains or five captains from within that group. They will then select their team players from the group. And it's usually between five to six, depending on the numbers that we have for the day, in each group. So the captain's appointed. The captain then appoints a safety officer from within their team. And all these positions are very highly regarded, by the way. So then my assistant coaches, once the groups are formed, I'll get my assistant coaches to take a group, their particular group, out to their respective hole. And then once everyone's out on their respective hole, we then blow the whistle and we start at the same time and finish at the same time. It's a lot of fun, let me tell you. Mm. My husband's a golfer and, oh, um, oh, yes, a lot. And I know how frustrating, even though he's reasonably good, uh, not as good as you though, Daryl, he's reasonably good. I know how frustrating it can be and how you have to concentrate when you play and all that sort of stuff. What are the benefits, do you think, of playing golf for people with an intellectual disability or any disability, in fact? Well, it's on so many levels. You know, first of all, of course, you know, we have coming together and just forming that community. That is that uh, social and community access, I guess. It's a big part of just coming together and breaking that isolation. From a health perspective, of course, you know, the low impact of golf is good, just that movement, fresh air, sunshine, vitamin D, and Oh, look, where do I start? There's just so many areas where are so beneficial for our people, but not only the participants in the program, but also we have volunteers and assistant coaches that also may suffer from isolation yeah. and or other issues like depression or whatever it may be. So it works on mental levels, not just with our golfers, but also with our volunteers as well. So can I share in there, we have a couple of instances we got a call from a physiotherapy. So we're the outreach in the office and the store. And outreach means we're dealing with the people that may never have considered golf for their son or daughter. So mm. the store that we have in town in Mamble is a retail store. Nearly six years we've been here and we've grown hugely. Now downstairs we've renovated and we have a charity pro shop that's large and about to double. And we also have a studio where we do design and the furniture and the cushions for upstairs are all made downstairs by our guys. And it's like their design studio, their golf charity shop. But we got a call from a physiotherapist and they said, look, this fellow is not doing well. He's had a stroke 12 years ago, but he was a golfer. We're hoping you can do something. Well, Daryl ended up knowing him and he used to be a high-ranking golfer. He's got his name up at the board at Nambour. And he won't mind us sharing this part. So, of course, he just loves it. Now, the interesting thing there is that he has a joke with us. His memory here and there may be scattered, but his memory to play golf is there. Mm. His joyfulness that he obviously packed away somewhere in his heart and mind comes out, and he and his uh, carer, Rowena, I tell you what, they just, we have a cart that the owners bring their own golf cart because it's a private course, so it's it's literally doesn't have carts. 
They bring their own cart for him to get out there because he has one leg that is actually in is incapacitated one leg. But it changed wow. his and one arm. It changed his life. Now he's my he buys our budroom ginger, which is very important. He comes to the counter and he buys his ginger, but he goes out and he just plays. Now here's the thing: one of our people is a second generation disability athlete, talks a lot and probably gets a little picked on. So we have you know we are very cautious to to work on that sportsmanship and camaraderie he ended up taking to this young man and I think shocked all of us he just took to him you never know who they're going to connect with Mm. this is an older gentleman with a young guy that talks a lot and yabba 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 he just loves him he thinks he's the best thing now all of a sudden you've got people that would never have met and certainly would never play golf so for me as an outsider this is huge so that's what I do I watch the emotional and the mental benefits because we you know there's the physical and the rest as well but I'm always getting the story and where the families come up and they'll cry and he's been depressed for 10 years nothing works or they won't play with teams well they play on their own and slowly Daryl will increase their level of eye contact you know like we used to work on eye contact we still do we also over the years found that they would talk to us the support workers family and volunteers They wouldn't quite often engage with one another. Now they engage with one another and allow us in. And that's a huge thing I want to get across. That is a very different development. And that's eight years of experience that taught us we are inclusive, which means some of our people have part-time jobs and come in their car. And they play alongside someone that is nonverbal, could be a stroke, lack of memory, or, you know, has some other issues. And what Daryl has built is the largest genuine inclusive golf program. Mm. And it's the biggest thing I want to leave today with because inclusivity is this word and we hear it banded about. I'm into testimonies. You give me the people that have changed because they've been included. Mm. And I think Daryl and his team do an amazing job that they have really built. Golf is the glue, we call it, and it glues all of us together. Mm. No matter where we come from, no matter what background, some of our volunteers used to get in the car 10 and 20 times to volunteer because they suffered anxiety. We Mm. didn't know that. And then, it, but they were given to us to help them come out of their house. So it benefits right. both sides. And I think the yeah. other thing which we find having older adults now, the exercise yes. they're getting, which that, you know, you can't tell a 22 year old or a 30 year old go and exercise because no. they won't do it. They probably don't even realize how many steps they're doing, how they're getting the fresh air. That's the other thing about golf. It's Correct. the exercise they're getting as well without pushing it on them. Yeah. A good example of that is we had a fellow that was morbidly obese when he joined the program. Yes. He was part of another group of seven people from this individual group that specialised in, in the disability sector. So they plugged into our program. Now, this fellow, initially, he was nonverbal and very, very overweight. And when he started our program, he wouldn't even play golf, but he would gently walk around. Mm. And... A year and a half later, he had lost probably more than uh, half his body, than half his body yeah. And it was just getting him moving and getting him walking and got him to the stage where he only just walked around with the support worker while the others played to the point where he then began playing golf. And then his communication increased and then we realised he had the greatest sense of humour. We just had to understand what he would say. And that's another thing. We've had to learn facilitated communication is real and we had to learn. It's quite amazing how we had to adapt. You know, that's why Mm. Special Olympics has been good for us. We were trained by them as well. 
So we've done our training. So all of my assistant coaches, you know, they're from very, very many varied backgrounds, people that are retired, people that are professional sports people and tradies, you know, they just want to contribute in some mm. way. They, they played a bit of social golf and they just plug into the program. And that's it, the, you know, the people that plug in like that, you know, the rewards that they get and they feel as if they're contributing and making an impact on somebody's life, you mm. know, a positive impact. So it's a fantastic program. So much to share with you. We need like 10 hours. <laughs> well, that's <laughs> right. I guess with uh, what we've built over the last eight years, the result is our vision. And that's most important because that's where we're looking at growing Golf Programs Australia, Inc. And I now have enlisted the support of the PGA, Golf Australia and the Special Olympics, which are national organisations, PGA being my organisation. And they're... PGA and the golf industry is a tough nut to crack. Mm-hmm. And, of course, you know, the PGA brand they, is regarded as very, very high-end and, and valuable. And to align their brand with our small charity is a big, big step. Mm-hmm. So we've just we self-funded to do a documentary, 12-minute documentary, which yeah. now has the CEO of the PGA, Golf Australia and the Special Olympics as national bodies, getting behind our, pur- uh, our purpose-built golf facility vision and that's where we will have a our first purpose-built golf facility here on the Sunshine Coast, and we can provide training and employment for up to 100 people with intellectual disability specifically, but also offer other programs such as you know, youth at risk, the aged, PTSD, mental health programs, Indigenous programs. Well, it seems like you've covered a lot of areas, and we've been very grateful to have you on our podcast today. We can't wait to see this move to Victoria for ourselves, but also across the country. And we will keep everyone updated on our social media when that comes about. But good luck with everything you're doing. It's amazing what you're doing. Thank you, Christine. Thank you, Lisa. Yeah, what a great story. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. And the, and the work that you guys are doing as well. I mean, yeah. uh, look, I, I had a chance to get on to, and listen to a couple of your podcasts. And, yeah, no, just wonderful. Love what you guys are doing as well. So, mm. Thank you, guys. Thanks. Thanks for being part of the Loop Me In community today and joining our conversation on raising children with disabilities. Join us for the next episode on some of your favourite platforms like Spotify and Apple Podcasts. If you would like to support us, please recommend the Loop Me In podcast to your network of parents, carers and providers. If you would like us to cover a topic or invite a guest to chat, please email us at contact at loop-me-in.com.au or go to our website at loop-me-in.com.au. If you've got any feedback, please let us know so we can improve and cover issues you want. And of course, if anything in the podcast today has raised concerns for you, you can contact Beyond Blue on 1300 224636 or Lifeline on 13 1114.